Hi, I'm Bianca Giannoni, the founder of Gia Sports Services, a boutique sports management and consultancy agency. And welcome to the Fitness and Lifestyle Podcast. Welcome to the Fitness and Lifestyle Podcast. I'm your host, Danny Kennedy, and I'm here to help you become the very best version of yourself. I was up there with one of the best, um, the smoothest intros we've had. Bianca, welcome to the show. Thank you. Thanks for having Thanks me. Thanks so much for coming on. Um, and for those that are watching or listening, this is literally a prime example of something that I talk about all the time in terms of the importance of networking and just taking people up on opportunities, even if you don't know what it's going to eventuate to. Obviously, we have a mutual friend in Joe um, who kind of did an intro for us a while back and we caught up for a coffee in Richmond. And um, I was kind of thinking yeah. like, oh, I don't know what she's expecting, but I don't really have much to <laughs> offer here. But we just kind of just had a chat, um, connected over a few different things. And um, since then, we've, we've done a little bit of work together as well. And now you're on the show. Yeah, thanks for having me. No, um, I could tell pretty quick we had pretty similar values. And um, when you get that vibe with someone, I know it's good to stay in touch. And yeah, here we are. Here we are. First interview for you too, is it? You said before? Yes. I mean, I've worked a long time in media and PR and in this sports space, but it's a bit of a role reversal, me being interviewed. So I'm a bit nervous, but uh, hopefully it's uh, a good you'll one. Be fine. Yeah. You'll be fine. So you mentioned this then, obviously being in, in media and, and stuff for a, a long time. Where did your whole journey begin? Because we're obviously going to get to the meat of the interview in terms of what you're doing now and some of the really cool stuff you've done along the way. But where did your journey all start? Yeah, it's been, it's been a bit of a wild ride. I guess if you probably ask my mum and dad, I think they've thought since I was four that I was born to do a job like this. I've been a little hustler, a little negotiator, I think ever since I was a kid. Um, I think I learnt pretty quickly like the power of sport. I love sport. I love the way it brings people together. Um, you know, you can be having a crap week and if your team's playing on the weekend for two hours, you can just lock in and enjoy something and have an escape. So I think I learnt the currency of sport pretty quick as I was growing up. Um, and I remember I was sitting, I think, in like year 11 or 12, like my careers counsellor. And she was like, what do you love? Like, because I didn't really know what I wanted to do. And I was like, I just love sport. I love the power it has. And I knew I was really good at negotiating, organising. So I kind of worked backwards in that sense. Um, and then, yeah, I did a business degree at uni, made some good connects, um, was fortunate that had a good few connections in sport, went into working in Clubland at Hawthorne. Didn't love it, yeah. club land wasn't for me. Um, and then yeah, was fortunate again, just kept hustling connections I had, ended up in agency land, which for anyone out there that wants to work in sport, I think agency land is the best place to start. You learn, you learn like a hustle that nothing else will teach you, um, a pace that I don't think anything else can teach you as well. And you also just learn what you like and don't like, where you maybe want to end up. Um, Give us an idea of like agency land, like what, is actually involved in that. So for those that are listening that yep. don't understand what it is. Yeah, so at any one time you could be working on five, six clients. So the pace is just incredible and the turnaround time, like we used to have a rule that it's like if a client emails you, you have to respond within 90 minutes. Like that was just the way we work. So you were on at all times. Like there was a pace that I don't think you learn in-house at a brand. Um, so I was fortunate that, yeah, from 19, 20, I was working with some of the biggest athletes and brands um, in sport. So like um, when we had Real Madrid come out, we got to work with them and those guys, the F1, AFL. So it was a pretty cool eye-opening experience. Um, Thrown straight in the deep end. Correct. But um, the fact that you could mm. set those standards so early on. Totally, totally. Allows yeah. you to avoid a lot of the, yep. the kind of 
growing pains along the way and, yeah. and see what level you really need to work yeah, towards straight from day one. Yeah, you learn a work ethic that, um, again, I don't think many things can teach you and you think, far out, okay, if this is the world I want to be in, what's going to be my point of difference? Like that hustle is going to take you far. Um, so then kind of got to 24 and to be honest, I was, I was pretty burnt out and cooked. Mm-hmm. Like I was like, man, like this picture of success, I don't know if it's like cracked up to what it is. Like I was 24, yeah, on paper it looked like I had everything, but I was pretty exhausted and... I took a month off. I thought I'm going to go to the States, visit some friends. Took that month off and I was like, man, I don't think I can keep keep this pace up. Like I just didn't know if it was for me. And then maybe some guardian angels were looking out for me. But yeah, a pretty crazy opportunity came my way from that trip in the States. Um, I got an opportunity to, got asked to go nanny for a, a big family in basketball over there. So I came home and I thought, man, that sounds, sounds pretty good. When you say... Was was that opportunity, do you feel like, just the connections that you'd made previously from everything you'd done in terms of networking with people within yeah, they, the sport? Yeah, that was through friends I'd had my whole life since I was a kid, so family friends of ours. So I just went across for a holiday to stay with them. Um, yeah, met up with a few people in the industry. But the US is a different beast. Like, it's you can be a big fish in Australia, but you go to the US and you're like a you're tadpole. Yeah. No one knows. And particularly once you say, yeah, I've worked on AFL and cricket, they're like, what's that they got no idea so when this opportunity came up I was like okay well I don't want to be like a nanny forever but it was in the right world I wanted to be in I knew I could network like no tomorrow I thought if I can just get in those rooms like who knows where it could lead um and so yeah like came home literally six weeks later was on another plane back to the states and moved across and yeah that opened up a, a lot of cool doors met some incredible people that I would have never met at 24 if that mm. door hadn't have opened are you able to mention who, who the player was? You had to sign an old NDA, so still to this day, I can't okay, say. Cool. But it was in basketball, so yeah. it was pretty crazy. And basketball is like one of my first true loves from a sports perspective. So it was crazy just being like in those rooms with people like that you'd never, never have met. Um, so you started there as a, as a nanny? Yeah. Yeah. Yep. And then did that then lead to other opportunities within that space? Yeah. So I then was there. This was pre-COVID. So I did that for a year and then COVID hit and I was like, oh gosh, like we don't know what the world's mm. going to be and everything like that. So I made the decision to come home, came home during COVID um, and then it was like the world, like, no, she needs to go back to the States um, and basketball maybe is still there. And then another opportunity came came up to go over to Utah with the Ingalls family. So went across with them and, and was with them for a year as well. So, yeah, it's been a pretty crazy ride. And then, sorry, I feel like I'm jumping around a bit, but then... Um, yeah, that did that for a year as well, and that was incredible. Beautiful family. Um, as part of that, did a couple of days in a week with the jazz in like family relations, working with them. So that was amazing. Again, that's where I wanted to end up. But it's funny, kind of once I got there, and it was like that close, like to getting what you wanted, what you'd always dreamed of. Yeah. I kind of realized I didn't know if I wanted it anymore. And I think for a lot of people, that's kind of an overwhelming feeling to get yeah. to because you're like, man, like. Since I was a kid, like, this is what I thought I wanted, live in the US, work in the NBA. And then I was kind of right there and it just didn't feel right for whatever reason. Maybe it's that saying it's kind of lonely when you get there and you've got to send the elevator back yeah. down. Like, you're achieving all this stuff, but you haven't got your, your loved ones around. It's not you. fulfilling. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, made the hard decision at the end of 2021 to come home, came back and was in this sort of limbo period. I was like, okay, well, you've just admitted this dream you've wanted for your whole life is not what you want anymore. Australia feels kind of small, particularly in the sports space. So like what was next? Um, 
and hence when GS Sports kind of came into its own and 18 months later, here we are. That's crazy. I think for <laughs> firstly, like we a, covered lot of people, a lot of people, yeah. yeah, I think for a lot of people listening or watching, like, I think just the fact that you were working within like that close to the NBA as well yeah. is, is a crazy thing that I kind of don't want to skip over yeah. just yet. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, can you give some insight into, I guess, some of the, not so much behind the scenes, but some of the stuff within that a player um, kind of has to go through or, or like a, what a week what might look like for their family as well yeah. when they're playing 82 games in a regular season and going from different states all over the country um, night after night pretty much. Yeah, it's crazy. I mean, the grind of a season, like it's you're not playing one game a week, you're all over the shop every week. And the thing I found the craziest is like truly you might be, you might have played a game on a Tuesday night in New York or whatever it is and then you're on a plane that night most times back to the city, you might land back in Utah or whatever it is, 2, 3 a.m. And then you got to back it up the next morning. You're doing rehab, getting ready for the next game. And so often you don't know your schedule literally till the night before. So often like we might have been needing to do things with the kids the next morning where we were like waiting on Joel or whatever schedule to go to plan. And you don't know literally till the night before. So I think people think for the families, oh, it's like such a cruisy ride, but it's hard because you just, you're you're at the mercy of a system, right? Um, And then there's the unknowns of contracts if you're, you know, you don't even know where you might be living next year and and all those Different city the next day. Yeah, and that was kind of part of my decision towards the end being like, man, okay, well, I want to create a life for myself and a legacy for myself outside of a system and not knowing where you might be living in the next year. You might build all these relationships with a team and then your players moving, it's like, well, then your life is so heavily impacted. Starts again, yeah. Correct, correct. So I think I kind of took the learnings from it and and the relationships and then have kind of applied that to what I've done here. The US in the sports scene, the money that's spent, it's like nothing else, you know, it's small change, some of the stuff they're dealing. So whatever a player on a team wants, particularly on maybe not in the bigger cities like LA or New York, but in the smaller markets, you'll do whatever a player wants or their family needs to keep them happy and, and all yeah. of that. Definitely, that's great. So were you so you decided to come back when they went into the bubble? No, uh, no. so I stayed until the end, yeah, oh, till March, end of 2019, I moved back. Yes. The first time. Oh, sorry. So just yeah, pre-COVID yeah, yeah. and then... And then the jazz was till the end of uh, 2021. Yeah. Yes. Wow. Different timelines, but all within such what a short What was that space. like for, for Joe's family? It's Renee, isn't yeah. it? Yeah, because um, it's a funny story, actually. Joe, so when I first moved to Melbourne, yeah. um, I, th- I can't remember whether I told you this when we had coffee. Um, when I moved to Melbourne for basketball for the first two years, we were getting coached under, uh, the first year was Phil Smythe and Steve Brainy. Second year, uh, Guy Malloy and Rowan Short yep. and Copes. Copes was there as well. Um, and I believe it was the first year when Phil and that were there. Joe, or it might have been second year. Joe was getting ready for the Olympics. So he came in and trained with us for like a couple of months. And he was like so awesome. Yeah, like just superstar. so yeah, fun yeah. to be around. Yeah, absolute superstar. Um, and like just the king of shit talk. Yeah. Like, <laughs> oh my God. Like, holy yeah, shit. Yeah. It was so good. Um, but yeah, he was just such a like genuinely awesome person. So it was so cool to see after, I think that Olympics, he actually had a really good um, tournament. And then after that, it's just like his career just went nuts, like in the States. It's so cool to see. And I think 
not even just in basketball, but what I've learned with anybody of profile, I always just treat them like like you and I. Like everyone is the same. And I think if you treat everyone with that level of respect, mm -hmm. I like to think that's how I've gotten to where I am because I just treat everyone how I would like to be treated. And no matter your level of profile, to me, it, it doesn't matter. Mm -hmm. um, you know, I'll ask about your family. I'll ask about how's your day going. Like, yeah, that other stuff's great, but I want to know like how you're as a person. Like that means more to me than than the other stuff. And I think that's really important no matter who you talk to. 100% and outside of that, they're probably getting the opposite of that exactly. at all other times yeah. from everyone else. Yeah. So you made the decision to stay here. Yeah. Um, how long did it take you, I guess, to brainstorm what you were actually going to do here and come up with the idea of, of starting? Now, I'm not going to lie to you. Even to this day, the, the, like there's no business plan or yeah. anything like that. It kind of was like, I live by this saying, you know, if you weren't ready, the opportunity wouldn't present itself. And I think if you're not a little bit scared at the beginning, then you made the jump too late. So at the beginning, you know, I was fortunate. I had a couple of really good names that I was already working with. Um, and, I, and then I thought, okay, hang on, if I can sign a couple more, like this is like a full-time gig. So I just got it to the point where I could jump and make the leap full-time financially. And I thought the rest will take care of itself. Everyone kept saying, oh, you got to do a business plan. You got to do all this. I'm like, yeah, yeah, like I'll get to it. I was too busy doing the doing that I didn't have yeah. the time to actually work on it, if that makes sense. Isn't it, isn't it funny before you keep going, like so many people, <clears throat> and, and I, I understand in certain situations, yes, it probably is beneficial to have like the business plan and whatnot. But for so many people, they spend all of their time on that aspect. Right. And as you just said, they don't actually do any of the doing. So it's all well and good. You know, uh, uh, there's a saying, which I, Everyone that listens to the show knows I'm fucking horrible at sayings. But there's a saying along the lines of like, what was it? Um, like confidence or progress doesn't come from talking about action. It comes from the action itself. Yeah, totally. Yeah. And, you know, I think for a lot of people who, you know, even whether it's starting a podcast, it's like you can put together the perfect plan to have the perfect show. But if you then go and sit down behind a mic and have never spoken in front to, into a microphone before that whole plan is kind of just goes out the door. So the fact that you were just doing the stuff and, and making moves yeah, is probably what think, allowed it to be where it is now. I think you have to also allow the market to guide you to find your point of difference, you know? Like I can say, yeah, I want to be X, Y, Z, but if I put that in market and it, the market's like, nah, that doesn't really fit. You have to allow the market to guide you where the gaps are. And that's what I've learned in this 18 months. What I've just... Uh, allowed it to take me and I've seen where the pillars of the business have kind of landed um, but if I'd set up this whole business plan and was so attached to being like this is how G has got to be well then you're so fixated on the plan that you're not just you're missing the the moments and someone said to me the other week they're like when something's working double down on it so you know when you when you find that sweet spot that's what you lock in on but if you're so fixated on this uh, this plan you have well you're not really allowing like the journey to take you where where it will be and plus, it's been way more fun to do it that way because it's just been authentic to who I am. Yeah, it's almost detaching yourself from the, a certain mm -hmm. end result that you exactly. think of and, yeah. and still having a very clear idea of the direction. For sure. But allowing the vehicle of getting there to be whatever it ends up being. Exactly. And I'm, for sure, I have like a goal of where I want it to end up. But between the, when I started in the last 18 months, it's pivoted 5 million times or, you know, an opportunity's come my way. And I'm big on like, especially early on, like you've just got to embrace the season and say yes, because like you said, you don't know where yeah. those opportunities are going to go. Um, but I think as so many leaders, they can be so, yeah, focused on, okay, well, this is where we have to go that they just don't allow the journey to kind of let them see where it can be. Yeah, miss what's right in front of them. Mm -hmm. 
What were some of the skills like early on that you, I guess some of the main skills that you really t kind of gravitated towards or, or picked up on that were going to be essential for you to be able to flourish with this type of career? So early days, was there, was it communication? Was it networking? Was it follow-up or what yeah. the speed, like whatever it was? I think to be honest, and it's the basis of my business now, it's like the power of relationships is so important. You know, I'm big on, I always want to be a good human first and foremost and a, and a great businesswoman second. And I even said that to my athletes. I said, I want you to be a, a great human first and a good athlete second. You know, if you can go with that lens, like you'll, you'll be fine in whatever you do. So relationship first and foremost is key and, and nurturing those relationships and remembering who got you to this point you know I, I truly believe like my business is only as strong as the people in my trench so if the athletes and the brands I work with don't buy into what I'm trying to achieve you know it's it's not going to be as successful it can be and I can feel the energy when people are like yeah no we want you to succeed as much as we want to build do you know what I mean so that was the first point and then I think um yeah, the power of like negotiation is really important too. If, if you can craft a good deal and, and also see it from the lens that I can get a great result for my athlete, but I can also get a great result for a brand and it'd be a win-win for everyone. There's just going to be so much repeat business and you never know where that one negotiation could lead as well. Before I keep going, mm. when it comes to negotiation, like mm. are there certain aspects or is there a certain framework or certain things you come into a negotiation with? It really depends on the type of deal you're doing. If it's a one-off, it's a if it's a long-term deal, if it's social-based, or it, it really depends what it is. I will say, I've really lent into my like femininity when I negotiate, and I know that's probably like a strange thing to say, but I think there can be a softness in negotiation that not many agents can see sometimes. So. I don't think negotiation has to be really brutal and tough. It can be an enjoyable process. So that's one thing I've really leaned into that and embraced that softness as opposed to coming from that really aggressive yeah, yeah. framework. And I think for Gia as a whole, that's like a really big point of difference I like to think that I'm creating and why brands maybe are gravitating and athletes too, why they want to work with someone that has that lens when they when they negotiate with people. For sure. There's... um. I might get his name wrong, but I think it's Chris Voss. Okay. Have you heard of Chris Voss mm -mm. before? He was um, like a former FBI negotiator. Um, and now he has a business, I think it's called like Black Swan or something like that, where he kind of goes into companies and, and with entrepreneurs and stuff and basically teaches how to negotiate and, and create deals and stuff. Um, I'd love to send you some of his stuff yeah. afterwards because I found it so intriguing to hear how it correlated from, you know, literally talking like a hostage out of a situation and how there's so many similarities to getting something that is a win-win for two different parties in a business deal or whatever it may be. Uh, GS Sports Services, what does that look like for those that don't know what yeah, it is? Yeah, good, good question. Um, so it kind of, again, started off with that talent management arm. So it's three pillars. So the talent management and then the consultancy arm is the brand. So I was finding a lot of brands were coming to being like, well, you've got like a great network. How can we like tap into that? So a brand might come to me and say, hey, we've got this new campaign. We want five athletes in it. Can you go away and negotiate their deals, oversee the project and, and execute? So that's the consultancy arm. And then the third arm is the EA and like operations support. So I was finding a lot of talent I have this saying, it's like, focus on what you do best, outsource the rest. They don't want to deal with like the nitty gritty of like visas, flights, all that day-to-day -day crap. So I was saying there was a bit of a gap in the market there where there wasn't really anybody that could 
do the talent management that could also play in that day-to-day -day space. So that's the three pillars of the business that's kind of formed to this point. But who knows, something else could uh, be added in the future too. I find that so cool. And like, it's it's crazy to think though that, that, that you know, something that seems so essential yeah. and ends up being such a big part of an athlete's life hasn't totally. been taken care of totally. before. I mean, there's, for sure there's people doing yeah, it, yeah, yeah. but I don't, there might be with respect, like a, I use this word, like a junior burger, someone that's like, like 20, 21, <laughs> you know, awesome. that doesn't have that lens of like, okay, she can think strategically, but yeah, she yeah. can also get that day-to-day -day stuff done. And someone that can do both is hard, you know what I mean? So it was kind of like that double, I was like, how can I make myself, um, what's that word? like irreplaceable in, in that respect, but then also add value, you know? And that's what I'm always thinking with everything I do. It's like, okay, well, how can I add value for these people? You know, what can my role be in their lives that someone else isn't doing? What value add can I give them? Yeah, and that's a good way to think for absolutely anyone totally. in any business, yeah. isn't that? So do you, how does that look like with the inside of business? Like, are you wearing like yeah, all the different hats. hats and yeah I mean as I said for a startup <laughs> you, you know it's the season you're doing everything and you know with time particularly these next six to 12 months when I look to scale and bring people into the business you know it's my first baby so as well that's hard to delegate and give responsibility to other people I will say as well like when I launched Gia you know I didn't have a big brand to fall back on you know when these athletes were choosing to work with me or these brands were choosing to work with me it was because of of me so I think there's there's a responsibility in that but B also that's a learning for me when I scale it's like okay well how can I scale and still be at the forefront but allow people with to come into the fold and, and assist me so the business can keep scaling as mm. well and you obviously mentioned their growth mm. in the past 18 months yeah, um, it's crazy. can you go a little into detail about I guess yeah if you're happy to talk about like certain athletes yeah, and whatnot yeah, they've been sure. able to sign and and then I think also just an idea of obviously you know you and I have talked a little bit recently particularly about how busy you've been and in and out of the country and whatever it may be but um, if you could talk about also about what it looks like for you. Yeah, in terms totally. Of Again, when I started 18 months ago, so my first client, I started working with Thanasi in, in, from a tennis perspective. And that just happened really organically through a friend. And again, there was kind of a gap for him. He needed a few things done. So we just kind of created this organic relationship. And yeah, he's a superstar and has become like family to me. And that was where the name Gia came from because that's what he calls me. So it, came, it was like a sentimental thing. Um, and yeah, Gia probably wouldn't be here without somebody like that that believes in me and has allowed me to kind of do what I do. Um, so I started with him and then again, he, through the work I was doing with him, I was like, okay, well, somebody like him need this sort of support. Maybe there's other people um, that need that too. And truly, I'm now up to 12 athletes and every athlete I've signed, um, I haven't proactively gone after anyone. Usually you sign one, somebody recommends or they see something. So that's been the fold it's kind of taken so um yeah then I went on and I look after Nathan Buckley from an EA perspective I do his stuff um Andrew Bogut then came next and then I signed a few Olympians um Chris Goulding just recently so the four lanes I kind of like to play in from a sports perspective is yeah AFL basketball tennis and then that Olympic space um I think that's the other thing a lot of founders try and do too many things and I'm clear on these are my four pillars. 
from a sports perspective right now that I'm focusing on. Um, that's not to say, you know, golf and surfing are another two I'd love to target down the track, but I think you've got to walk before you run. Yeah, so definitely. It's, it's doing what you do well, really well. And then when the time's right, scaling up. Um, so, yeah. I think that's, um, that's like a common speed bump for a lot of people in business is like it's almost like the shiny object. You know, it's like you're doing really well, but you also haven't really mastered 100% what you're doing yet. And then the next thing comes along and you kind of go to that and then you're kind of spreading yourself too thin to the point where the initial thing, which could have been the main thing, now is something that you're exactly. not even really all over. And, and as I said from the beginning, being relationship first, like I'm so grateful to anybody that lets me into their world to help them that service for me is number one. So if it's a matter of okay, yeah, I could make a few more dollars here, but it's going to jeopardise the... Like, it's a no for me straight away. Like, that's first and foremost. Um, because if you don't look after the people that were with you from the beginning, like, you don't have... To me, you don't have a business. That's got to be first and foremost above financial gain. 100%. What does it look like for you, like a day-to-day -day or not so much day-to-day, week-to-week, month-to-month? I'm imagining it's going to be kind of all over the place. Yeah, it's pretty hectic, especially once you add in the travel element too. You know, I think you need to be present especially in the early days, you are trying to build a brand for yourself. So being at tournaments, being at events is like really important, particularly like with the nasty at the slams. Like for me, that, that helps build the profile of my brand too. And plus just from a networking perspective, it's a global sport. So if you're not at these tournaments, not at these events, people don't know who you are and that leads to other signings and, you know, um, the networking capabilities there are just second to none. So the travel element is definitely a big part of it. It also makes it fun too. Um, Day to day, yeah, looking after 12 is, you're, you're spread pretty thin, so you're constantly, I think, on your phone. Um, and I think that's been a learning for me personally too, is like I have non-negotiables personally that I make sure I do every day because if I'm not the best version of myself, I can't, my cup's empty. Like I can't give to these people. You're constantly giving. So there's things like, you know, when I'm going to the gym or when I'm doing plies, whatever, I put my phone on do not disturb. Like that's my hour where it's like, I don't, you know, whatever, like people will survive for an hour or in the morning I try and like go for a walk and get a coffee first thing before I even like open an email. You know, for sure, we're all works in progress. That doesn't happen every day, but there's like little things I try and do to give back to myself. So amongst the chaos, like I'm still a, a priority as well. For sure. I love that. I'm a big fan of daily non-negotiables. And um, as you said, some of them are actually quite hard to do. It's not because you don't enjoy doing them. It's like, it's it's hard like something like emails one is is a good example it's like when you know there's shit to write back to and you're like fuck particularly with go time zones <laughs> it's like with time zones it's hard and i yeah i know the other day like my sister i might be saying this story but we were like down at her house down the coast and we were going to a pilates class and i'd gotten a phone call from overseas and i was like fuck i just need to quickly answer it because if i don't answer it now like future bank is going to have to deal with it yeah. And then we were going to the class and she said to me after, she's like, you just, you weren't even present for that one hour. Like your mind was elsewhere. So I think that's the hard thing when you're like a one woman show and for sure it's not going to be like this forever, but you're trying to give to so many people, like something's got to give at some point. So it's like showing yourself that kindness too, that you're not going to get it right every time, you know, something's going to slip sometimes and that's okay to acknowledge that. But then also in the future, you like check yourself when it happens again. How do you feel... I guess your growth in the last 18 months and the work that you're doing and even, you know, being able to do podcasts like this and whatnot is going to affect um, how many females are in the space. Like, because I'm yeah. super keen to 
actually understand like whether yeah. whether or not that's a and this has been a big thing for me yeah. i think um i think i was probably a little bit naive going into it thinking like oh we've come so far like being a female in this space you know i'll get the respect i deserve I can't tell you the many, the amount of experiences I've had where my mouth has been on the ground. I've been like, did I really just get spoken to like that? And I don't think it's even intentional. I really just think it's, it's, you know, I've been surprised. Sometimes I get treated above and beyond. I'm like, oh, wow. Yeah. But it's surprising that that's jarring to me when I get treated with the respect. I yeah, Do you know what I mean? should be treated, yeah. You know, and, and I often think even when I started this, people would say to me like, oh, so are you mostly going to rep female athletes? And I was like, no, you know, I have, I believe I'm really good at what I do. I have so much value to add. It shouldn't matter whether I'm repping a male or a female, I'll get the best outcome for you no matter what. So I found comments like that really surprising, or even I'd be at a tournament or something and people would be like, oh, so who are you? Are you a sister? Are you a girlfriend? You know, it was so, they couldn't even comprehend that somebody like me could be repping talent of this caliber at my age and as a female. So for sure, like that drives me to no end. You know, I want to prove people, it's not people wrong. I know that I'll get to where I want regardless, but it's definitely a motivator. And as a byproduct, if I can encourage more women to have a seat at the table in this space, like that's so, so satisfying and rewarding. And maybe that was part of the reason of why I started this is because I didn't feel like there was a seat at the table. And so I thought, okay, people are going to underestimate me. Well, let's go, let's do this thing ourselves. That's so exciting. So I think, and that must be a good feeling. Like, and obviously there's no reason why they shouldn't, but it must be a really good feeling to have such big names put their trust in you from, from like very early on in the business as well. And not, obviously that's going to do wonders for, for business itself and moving forward, but also for females who can see you as an example, as what a pathway that they can potentially go down that wasn't there before. Yeah, I think so too. And it was funny, just on my recent trip, I was in Malta and I met these couple of young girls, they were like 22. And they were like, you know, after they messaged me on Instagram, they're like, you know, we're so, we were so impressed that you were even in this space. Like, how did you get there? And that was so, like, there was a moment where I was like, wow, like maybe this has, it's pretty wholesome, but maybe it has a bigger purpose than just, you know, making a business. It, if it can excite females at 21, 22 to think, maybe I could be a sports agent one day. Like that, that's pretty cool. 100%. That's so exciting. Have you put any thought into, in terms of when you do, as you continue to scale and, yeah. and grow and whatnot, like Hiring whether females. you want to make it all females within the business? And I, again, I don't want, don't want to make it about male and female but yeah like for sure like my first couple of highs you know I'd love to support females that want to work in this space but also like I don't really want to draw a point to it you know even when I describe GI I don't even say it's female founded you know it's the product is strong enough that that shouldn't that's like so token that it shouldn't even need to be said Mm -hmm. but especially from like from an intern or like you know juniors that want to start if I can give back and you know, um, mentor and help other other young girls yeah, to definitely. think, wow, this is a job that's like a viable pathway. That's pretty cool. That's very cool. Where do you hope to see Gia in, mm. in I guess, the next few years, considering in 18 months, I there's know, already been so much really growth, crazy. it's crazy. Yeah, as I said, back to that point about like not having a business plan, I'm kind of mindful of putting ceilings on it because if I had done a plan, and yeah, I do goal set, but I would have exceeded my goals well before. So especially for this first like two to three year period, I'm pretty pretty open to just like allowing to see where it may go. Um, 
I want to scale and I always still want to stay boutique though because that's important to me to really be able to like nurture those relationships. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I don't really think it has a ceiling on it. You know, I'm, I'm excited to see just where it can go in this space. Definitely. Is there any, like, I think it comes with every business, but obviously to put in the time and the effort and the attention required to have growth, mm-hmm. that has to be sacrifice. Mm-hmm. What do you feel like is something that you have had to sacrifice to to get it to where it is now? And just your actual career to up until this point, considering you've basically been hustling since yeah, you first I got mean, into it. That, that's one thing, you know, the hustle is a grind. Like when it's your own, it's like your output is so dependent on what you put in, which is like a blessing and a curse, you know, because at the end of the day, whatever the end result is, like no one can take that away from me. That's a legacy I've created. So that's that's the upside, you know, there's the high, but then the low is that like, man, like my output and financially everything is really dependent on what, what I build. Um, in terms of, I guess, like what you sacrifice, yeah, the, the time you have to invest people don't see that part. You know, they see the highlight reel and go, oh man, she's at the French Open or she's here and it looks incredible or you're meeting these incredible people. But they don't see the slog that's gone into it or the, the late nights that you stayed up doing, you know, your invoicing or whatever it is. Um, and so I, like, I really love this saying, it's, it's easy to clap when there's a crowd. When it's, when it's high and you're, you're riding these highs, everyone wants to jump on and they're like, oh man, like it looks so amazing. But when it's low, like, there's, there's not as many people around for those moments either. Yeah, definitely. A question that I was thinking about on the way here actually is, um, and obviously this depends what space you're in and for a lot of people that probably won't be in a position to even have this occur, I guess. But when you are working with, you know, popular athletes yeah. or, or big name people or whatever and, and you've got your services and you obviously understand how valuable your services are, how do you go about having, I guess, what some would see as difficult or awkward conversations in terms of actually payments for your services and things like that like in terms of anyone in business I think it always comes whether you've got a small business and you've got friends that you want to kind of that want to buy a product or whatever it may be or buy your services I think can be awkward at times to basically like have that conversation definitely I think that's just one element you have to put that transactional hat on like everything else can be you know family kind whatever but for that element you know I don't even flinch I I know the value I bring I know the the revenue I generate so it's and in sport particularly it's pretty standard like what commission is what rates are so it's across the board a pretty easy conversation because it's like an industry standard if you will so I think as as long as you know you lead with that. You never take what's not yours. You know, it's yep. very clear. It's very transactional. Mm-hmm. I think it's just clean. It's pretty straightforward. Yeah, yeah. it's straightforward. I've never found an issue. Yep. Um, and I think it comes back to intention. Like as long as you lead, as I said, I try and lead with like a kind heart, empath- empathetic of anyone's situation. As long as your intentions are good, I think I think people will always be in your corner. And, and to this day, I mean, I've never had a, a client walk away or anything like that yet. So... I like to think that's a testament to my character and, and how I operate as well. Fuck yeah. 100%. <laughs> you sound hyped. <laughs> I am. Yeah, no, it's, it's, it's actually so cool. I, I find it so interesting um, and impressive. It's, re- it's actually really impressive. Yeah. I mean, I was thinking on the way here in terms of like starting this, I think the one thing if I said like lesson I've really learned is that more people are going to want to see you fail than they do succeed. So for anybody starting a business, like you have to believe it's almost like a physical belief that 
you were going to succeed because you have to be your biggest cheerleader. Do you know what I mean? Like, especially in Australia, it's unfortunate. Tall poppy syndrome is a thing. Instead of just saying like, shit, yeah, that's amazing. Like, let's go, let's have a crack. Everyone's like, oh, but like, you know, like, we want to put her in a box. Mm. So I think that's probably the biggest in terms of like a jarring notion I've found that it's like, wow, like people you thought maybe were in your corner aren't as in your corner as you thought. So whether it's in sport or whatever industry you want to build a business in, you have to have that internal belief like no tomorrow because that external validation just is not going to be there in the same way if you're working for an employer, for example. Yeah, it's crazy. And I saw, uh, might have been a meme actually. Um, it was like your your closest friends would be quicker to go and comment on some celebrity yeah. they've never met before yeah, photo and congratulate I them know. than you actually doing something cool. And also like you just can't take it personal. Like at the beginning, I think... You know, like when I even when I like launched the Instagram, I would have taken it so personally. Like you can't just take two seconds to follow a page and like yeah. show love to something I'm like yeah, hustling yeah, yeah. to build. But then I look at it and I go, well, that's a reflection of where I'm at. You know what I mean? Like yep. I can't control other people. All I can do is stay in my lane, control yeah. what I put out into the world and show love to other people. You know, like mm-hmm. it'll come back. Anyone in my circle, your win's my win. Like I'm like the biggest hype for anybody that's chasing their dreams because I know what it takes to like get there. So with time, like I let that petty stuff go. Cause like, it is what it is. Like control the controllables, you know what I mean? So f- for me now, like that stuff is like water for ducks back. It's like, I'm just going to keep doing my thing and people can do yeah. what they want type of thing. Awesome. And, and often it's just a, a um, projection of how the other people are kind of feeling about themselves, you know? And once exactly. you understand that, yeah. I think that was the biggest thing for me. Like once I understood that, whether it's getting, treated poorly or people talking behind your back or or not showing any appreciation or whatever it's often just literally just a, a reflection of how that person feels about themselves exactly. at that current time exactly. and then you kind of just leave it you leave it and i think you also learn i found at the beginning i really struggled being like man i don't have that validation anymore from like a boss or mm. so i really struggled with that because i was yep. like okay well this is going to be hard like every day there's need, no instant gratification there's no instant gratification so i had to find like what were these new metrics i was going to use to like fill up my cup to be like okay i've i've done well and if your only goal is like financial well, that's just not going to be enough so yeah. now i've kind of got like these internal metrics i use to kind of check like a barometer if you will and even little things like every night before I go to bed, like I'll write like three daily wins of like stuff that I was happy with. And it could be personal, it could be professional, but just like those little habits, I think anybody as an entrepreneur can apply that. It just really allows you to go, okay, no, today was a good day. And then we go again tomorrow. Particularly early on. Yeah, definitely. Last thing I wanted to ask is for those that are listening at the moment, whether it's um, female or male, that uh think that this sounds really interesting or something that they are interested in and i love the fact that at the start of the episode you mentioned how like you weren't actually sure what you wanted to do and i think for so many people they're not like i literally had no fucking idea what i wanted to do apart from playing basketball which didn't eventuate anyway but um for someone who does find what you do interesting what would be the best pathway let's say they're just in school or finishing school or whatever it may be um, and they want to get into this field, like what would you do if you were to to do it again? I think, I mean, I'm the biggest networker and hustle, like every connection, you know, in a good way. Um, Use LinkedIn, use Instagram. Like if you find somebody interesting or their story interesting, like hit them up and just say, hey, find your career path really interesting would love to pick your brain for a coffee like what's the worst they say no and you're yeah you're You're in the same position correct and you're in the same position and say yes i think that's the biggest thing and i a lot of these kids coming out of uni they're expecting like (laughs) 
80K salaries or whatever it is. And it's like, you have to hustle so hard at the beginning. And it's not in a way of like grind, grind, grind. But the reality is there's like a million kids that want to work in sport or whatever industry it is. So say yes to every little opportunity that comes your way. And I mean, if I look back on my career, if I had said no to half the things that had come out, I wouldn't be here right now. So you really just don't know where any interaction can go. And everybody has a cool story that you can learn something from for sure. 100%. And I know I said it at the start, but there's literally just like exactly like how we're even sitting here now. And I, I literally go out of my way to tell people about that because um, for me personally, anyways, like literally so many of the cool shit, so many of the cool things that I have uh, have done has been because of something that was either me reaching out yeah. to someone with no real intention or like or, or, or anything, just trying to add value or just taking a meeting or going for a yeah. coffee or having a conversation or reaching out to someone um, with no intent behind it. But it just you never know where it's going to lead. And I mean, when it's all said and done, like we all want to look back and go, man, we did some cool shit in this life. So I feel like every interaction you can have, I think people tend to lean in. I'm like, I always want to lean back. And I'm like, let's see where that where that transaction can take us. And you'll learn a cool story or two along the way anyway. So yeah, it's um, just, let's all do some cool stuff, I think. I agree. Bianca, thanks so much for, for joining the show Thank today. Thank you, appreciate um, it. Super inspiring story. And um, can't wait to see where Gia is in in another few years crazy in 18 months but um thanks so much for coming on the show and for everyone who has uh, listened or watched this episode if you've enjoyed it which i have no doubt that you have um we'd love for you to take a screenshot of this one share it on your instagram story tag myself um tag bianca and geo i'll have their socials and everything in the show notes for you guys to check out um but all the best for the rest of this year Thank and you. looking forward to seeing how much you continue to grow awesome thanks for having me on pleasure